It's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, we continue with part two of toxic relationships, narcissism explained. What exactly is narcissism? How you can spot red flags early on and how do you navigate your way through the relationship? Also, Dr. Z screws up again at the last minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And for those of you listening to the podcast, really appreciate you for giving us the five stars. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, follow, uh, and uh, the ratings do help. So that is uh, that is uh, very, very helpful for the podcast and all that fun stuff. Do that right now if you have not already. And for those of you not here at 8 o'clock live, what's wrong with you? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> this is uh, this is the fun part of your Sunday. This is where we just, you know, be ourselves, kick back and learn more about our mental health and more specifically with anxiety, depression. And as Dr. Z said, it's almost as if we're going to have like a 90 part series on narcissism yes. uh, because yes. I feel just like those people that we deal with. It is endless. It is endless, 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 endless. So uh, I know last week we kind of touched on that. And that's what's great um, about a lot of these uh, different sessions. This is uh, session six for everybody that uh, is uh, tuning in for the first time. And a lot of this stuff is kind of just continue uh, continuations of what we talked about last week. So um, the first question I think we have when with narcissism is really just kind of identifying it. Uh, and I think for the most part, we kind of know uh, what narcissists sound and look like. But a lot of the times in our lives, you're going to find assholes and you're going to mm-hmm. find narcissists. And some of them have a very nice Venn diagram in the middle of a personality traits for sure. But yes, they do. Let's start there. How, <laughs> how can we tell the difference of like, so, oh, we're dealing with an asshole or we're dealing with a narcissist? Excellent question. So what I always say is narcissists are always assholes, but not all assholes are narcissists. Ah, so, ah yes, I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of like, uh, you can play left tackle, but you can't play left guard. Not not necessarily. Okay. I I have no idea what that means, but absolutely. Football heads will get that one. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I get that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yes, left guard, right, right. And so that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, So, okay. So here's why I think this is such an important distinction to make, because I see this all the time on Instagram. I I hear this with my patients, um, thinking that their significant other is a narcissist because they were a huge asshole, like a huge piece of shit. And I'm not saying they weren't, they, they, they were, and the stories that I hear are terrible. And, um, and, and here's the difference. Let me talk about an asshole first. Okay. <laughs> so an asshole is not necessarily an asshole all the time. Sometimes they are good people. Sometimes they are genuine. Sometimes they are, you know, professional. And, so, you know, they, they have a lot of different um, ways that they can be, all of which are genuine. So they're not an asshole all the time. They're not trying to be something they're not. They're not, um, you know, pretending to care. They're not, that manipulation, it may be there, but it's not yeah. a chronic situation, right? So an asshole can be somebody that cheats. An asshole can be somebody that's abusive. An asshole can be somebody who steals. or An asshole can be somebody who's totally emotionally disconnected from you, Um the difference is the awareness and the insight into their behavior. So somebody who is just 
an asshole, um, they know they are, right? right? They know that their behavior hurts somebody. They very well probably have guilt or some sort of remorse or some sort of apologetic nature about them. Um, and it's genuine. They, they may not admit it, but, th- but they feel it. That's really the fundamental difference between, you know, somebody like that and a narcissist. A narcissist has absolutely no regard for how their behavior impacts you. They don't care. It doesn't bother them. There is no guilt. There's no remorse. Um, it, it literally does not exist to them. You don't exist to them except to the degree in which they need you for whatever they need you for in that moment. Um, They are like that across every single domain of their life. They may appear to be whatever they need to be in a particular situation to get their needs met, but they're a narcissist in every situation. It doesn't stop. Whereas somebody who's just an asshole can change their tune and be another aspect of themselves that is accurate and genuine. Um, So, you know, they may be pessimistic and look at everything through a pessimistic lens, but they're aware that they do that and they have remorse and they have, they have empathy. A narcissist lacks empathy, will never have empathy, is incapable of empathy. No, they can't learn empathy. In fact, there was a study that was done years ago where they tried to teach a group of um, people, I guess at the time, had met criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I think it was, I don't remember what, it was in a prison system. And what ended up happening was they taught them skills for empathy and it appeared that it, that it worked, right? But what ended up right. happening was they used those empathetic skills to manipulate people. So it, it's, it's, it's something that can't be taught either. You kind of have it or you don't. Um, and we'll talk about why that is. But um, yeah, there, there is a significant difference between the two. I understand when somebody hurts you badly, right? Whether it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, they break up with you. They cheat on you with, their best, with your best friend. Um, you know, something. I understand that it's very easy and you really want to hang your hat on the fact that they are a narcissist. That's not always going to be the case. And it's really important to identify that. Now, if you want to put a label on it, it has no impact on your life or their life, fine. But I work with a lot of people who will say, you know, do you think they're a narcissist? You know, and, and, Narcissism is something that's diagnosed oftentimes secondhand, which is why now they, there isn't really that narcissistic personality disorder. It, it's very difficult to diagnose in, face-to-face, one-on-one. Um, and I'm, again, we'll get into to why it's secondhand. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the main difference between, between the two um, and an important distinction to make. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like it's the... You know, the person that's like uh, has a punk rock attitude and is fine with that because that's who they are, you know, and they're mm-hmm. okay with that. And they're mm-hmm. still able to say sorry and mean it in in whatever format they're comfortable with. It's whether that's, you know, right. physical touching or gifts or whatever it yeah. is, you know, like, uh, yeah, that totally makes sense. And now for now, an asshole, actually, really, I should say this. They don't always have awareness of their behavior. Yeah because they have unhealthy patterns that are ingrained and they, they may not have that awareness. Just like we have patterns we may not be aware of, but they're able to, you know, if they got help, identify the patterns, change the patterns, feel guilt, feel remorse, feel bad, understand they need to change to make their life and their, the people that they love have a better life as well. A narcissist, 
That's not the case at all, actually. And so. you'll probably know really quickly, you know, and especially if you, well, if you can even get a narcissist to agree to go to a therapy session or whatever it is. Yeah, we'll talk about that right. because that's a whole different ballgame. I can tell you when I have people, I'm making a very generalized statement, but when I have people leave me messages um, yeah. to schedule appointments and I have, you know, my initial phone conversation with them. I mean, and if there's psychologists on here, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. And if you do just kind of send like, I, I'm just curious if there's psychologists, therapists on here, let me know if you give me a thumbs up if you, if you agree with this. But when you speak to a new patient on the phone to set up the evaluation and they're asking you a bunch of questions before they set up the evaluation, which is normal, happens all the time. Yeah. I can tell within like not that long into the conversation if that's going to be the case or, or not. You can just tell. And, and I, I don't have anything to say specifically, but you can tell. And, you know, usually they don't end up coming into therapy or if they do, they come in for a session. And if you're with a psychologist therapist that knows the nuances of narcissist personality disorder, which again, we will get to, cause that's important too. You'll pick it up right away. You'll hold the, their fire to you know, their feet to the fire. You'll, you'll set very significant boundaries very early on. They're never coming back. They're just never coming back because they'll hate you. They won't come back. Or you don't realize it. They charm you. They, you know, manipulate you. Into, and, and, you know, or they're there court mandated for substance abuse or something or anger whatever management. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, and that's kind so. of like the, I guess the, the scary part of a lot of what you said is because there are most people can change. And we've talked about this at length. Yes. You know, most people can change. However, yep. in just doing, a, I would say, an hour and a half to two hours of deep researching, you know, narcissistic people and honestly just with dealing with one in, in my life currently over and over again, that's never going to leave. Uh, <laughs> you just <laughs> start to realize two things that you, you there is no way to prevent someone from being narcissistic. And that's that's insane to me, like it, just like trying to rationalize that as you and I, as logical people watching and listening to this, be like, yeah, yeah, like, what do you mean there's no way to prevent? Of course, there has to be some, you know, caretaking, et cetera, et cetera. Nope. And is there a way to also, you know, just like you would with anybody that's not aware of their behaviors, be able to stop and change that? No. Narcissistic people cannot, will not change. There's nothing to prevent them from being that way. And it's just one of those at least for the time being, odd anomalies in human beings where that in one in particular is going to stay that way for the rest of their lives. There is there is no way to change that. And is that pretty much true? There's no way to change it. There's no way to prevent it. So, so let me start with the prevention aspect. Once a, once a person has gone through their upbringing, right? And so now they're in their teens, let's say, and they grew up in an environment that fosters, you're going to have to take the questions because I can't see it. Oh, no, yeah, thing. actually, uh, Lynn, um, Lynn Marie, I believe, is yeah, going into so, exactly what you're explaining. And are they born this way? Yeah. Or is this a learned so behavior? Yeah. There's, there's some literature out there that says there is a hereditary genetic component to this. I, I, I think Maybe that that's for part what, four. Part, that's for part 4,000. Um but I, but so there is that the, the thing is, is that the patterns that have to be in place with the 
caregivers, right? The parents or grandparents, whoever, whoever's taking care of the children. The patterns that are, that are present are the things that the child responds to. And as a child, we come up with certain ways to respond to unstable parenting, to uncertainty in a household, to a toxic environment, to an abusive environment, a high emotional situation. Um, we develop ways to cope with that as children as a survival mechanism. It works for us then. And then we, grab, we, we, we grow into our teen years, you know, adolescence, teen years, young adulthood, the patterns of the parents are not going to change unless they start changing those patterns very early on. I'm talking when the child is like probably before the age of seven. Okay. And I'm not a child psychologist, so I could be off with that, but I really don't think I am. Um, then it's going to develop. And once it's in place to develop, once those patterns are in place and they have been reinforced over time because they're working for the child, there's literally no way that will change. Right. There's nothing that can happen to change that because, and, and so as far as one, if somebody is a narcissist, can they change? Will they ever change? They will never, ever, ever, ever change ever one, because they don't give a shit what the impact of their behavior has on other people, because it's not their responsibility. They don't care. Yep. And they don't think they're doing anything wrong. Ever. At all. Ever. <laughs> and even if they know they did something really messed up, they don't care because all that matters to them is they had to do what they needed to do to get what they wanted. And you were just the object that they needed to use to get what they wanted. Um, so, no, they will never change. Yes, they know what they're doing. No, they don't care. No therapy won't help. They don't go to therapy. Even if they do go to therapy, it is very short-lived. It's one in, um, in one ear, out the other. Yeah. Yeah. And or at, they get agitated best. because you 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 know, you're not letting them charm you. And right. um and so no, you're right. They they don't, but let me just kind of explain psychologically why that is something that doesn't change. And again, the, the idea of narcissistic personality disorder is not use, but still very much there. And so, um, the reason why it doesn't change, cause there's, there's a, there's personality disorders that the reason why they are is because they're, they're what's called, um, oh, I don't even want to say it, it's going to, but they're kind of out <laughs> here, right? Yes. Yeah. So they have this, they, no, they won't change if it's a terrible consequence because they won't view it as a terrible consequence because it's only how it relates to them. In order for a narcissist to change, their entire, fa their children could pass away. They will still be a narcissist. Yeah. Period. I, I, they will because it, their children are extensions of them. Their children are not separate human beings that they have empathy and unconditional love for. Their love is extremely conditional. They will only love their children if their children are doing what they want them to do, period. Um, and this is the only thing I talk like this about because I am that adamant about it. Yep. Any Anything else, yes, change is 100% possible, even if it's tough, okay? So the reason why psychologically narcissists don't change, and there's a lot of theories on this. I tend to be more of a behaviorist, so I, I take that route with it. Um, 
their patterns of behavior, the, their perception of themselves in relation to other people is a defense mechanism against feeling at the core, just terrible, horrible, insecure, not good enough, all of that stuff. It is so protected that in order for them to change, they have to access that vulnerability, but they can't access it because they have this thing that they have in place to prevent them from ever accessing it. So it's kind of like they, they literally can't get to that place because they're blocking it to be able to live. So they're never going to let that down. And in fact, even if you start to chip away at that, and let's say for some rare, like twilight zone moment that they have some insight and empathy, they're going to come up with another way to put that, put that back up there Yeah, because it's just never going to, it's never going to happen. Um, whereas like some other personality disorders, like borderline personality disorder, for example, a lot of times there is a lack of awareness of how their behavior impacts themselves and impacts others, their mood lability, their, um, you know, the anger, the rage, things like that. Um, you know, suicide attempts or harming themselves, borderline personality disorder, there is treatment that is available. Um, you know, dialectical behavior therapy, there, there's, you know, affectability strategies you can use, meaning just how to get them to regulate their mood. And when you start working with them, if they are committed to treatment, they absolutely 100% can gain insight to their behavior. 100%. Um, I have seen it as something they'll always struggle with, but it's their response to an unhealthy pattern that they grew up in. It's the same kind of reason why it develops, but narcissism is just a different, it's a different animal. It, yeah. it just is. A big, a big time. So, and, and, yeah. and it's a, and, and a lot of people are coming at this from uh, certainly like romantic relationships. I think it's the most relatable thing that we can all identify from. But in a way, there is what I would like to call at least I found slight positives along the way with, you know, especially in business. I feel as though narcissistic people are great to sell to. Fantastic people to sell to. You know, like I, I, I think that that's part of the game in terms of like we touched on a little bit in session five. Because so. you stroke their ego. Exactly. And you know where to map them to, you know, where Correct. to manipulate them yes. back right, right yes. back to. So in business, yes. I think there can be positives to that as long as you can put up with the snore fest of, you know, <laughs> the ego that spills out of that all the time. Yeah. Um, and it, as long as you understand that. Just because you have a good business relationship with them doesn't mean they won't screw you over in five seconds. Exactly. Yes. And and know that too when you're and know <laughs> involving that. Correct. that in exactly. situation. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Because they will, there's, you know, there's love bombing in relationship, intimate relationships. Yeah. There's love bombing in friendships. There's love bombing in business. Always. And you may think that they are the most excellent business partner. They are, you know, oh my God, I can't believe we have the best working relationship. I've never had this with anybody. Yeah. Same thing. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Same, same exact thing. And, you know, uh, a, a lot of us kind of get stuck with the next part of it. And, and I, oh, I, I see, I forgot to mention this at the top. Blanket statement. Yes. 100,000%. If you're in a romantic relationship with a narcissist, get out 
as slow or as fast as you possibly can from your situation. Tell yourself it's over and then start working on those steps on whatever you need to to exit. Even if it takes you five years. Yep. And let me tell you 10, something. 15, whatever. Most of, yeah. most of the time, it takes years to yep. leave. Once the person has the awareness of the patterns of the narcissist behavior, once they learn some strategies to manage it, to handle it, um, and assuming they're safe, you know, it takes partners of narcissists years to leave. They leave, they come back. They leave, they come back, you know, for because the narcissist makes them feel they, they, they have no sense of self left. You know, it's, it, it's been taken. Um, they don't know even what foods they like. They don't know what music they like. They've been told what they like. Um, they're scared. They have very little support because they have been isolated from everybody over the years. Very subtly, you don't realize it's happening until one day you look and you don't have anybody around you. They've depended on the narcissist to define who they are, their sense of worth, define what they're good at, define what they're not good at. And all of it is a bunch of bullshit. It's Ooh, a and, story that has been told to you, and, right? And Christina has a great question regarding all that. And, and, yeah. and I would like to know too, how can yeah. you tell the difference between that love bombing you just described and like yes. gift giving attention, not being a red flag? Excellent For instance, question. red flag Ricky. How can we tell if it's a red flag <laughs> Ricky or if red it's just Ricky. A, a genuine nice <laughs> fellow that wants to grab your attention and say like, I really enjoyed right. our time. Yeah. Not red flag, Ricky. Not a red so flag Ricky. red, red flag, Ricky, red flag, Ricky will look like this. Green flag, Fred. <laughs> oh my God. It's turning into school of rock. Y'all. I'm so sorry. It's my fault. Go ahead. Dr. <laughs> Z. So, <laughs> so red flag, Ricky. Okay. Here's what love bombing looks like. You go on date number one. Let's say you've been talking online dating, whatever you've been talking and you, you know, you already spoke. So you get to dinner. So you already have met them or you already have spoken to them online, whatever, however that works. And they tell you on date number one or date number two, oh my God, I can't believe you like this too. And everything seems to be very oddly similar. Yeah. Oh my God, you 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 like like, you know, I don't know, you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with just one side of the crust cut off, cut in, you know, five different pieces. Oh my God, so do I. What are the chances? It's fake. And so, you know, it's it's that kind of conversation very early on. I've been looking for you my entire life. Where have you been? What do you mean you've been looking for me your time? You know nothing about me. So you have to look at, take the romanticism out of it. Does it even make sense that somebody could say, I've been looking for you my whole life when they literally Ugh. have no idea about you? It's the worst so, line on. Does that really, ever, hold on. Does that really oh, work? Oh, does that, oh, don't y'all buy that? that? But you, people so eat let that me up? Tell you, let me tell you why people buy that. Narcissists gravitate towards people who have been in abusive relationships before, mm. who have very little support network, who are very, very um, low in self-esteem or low in self-worth. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about sometimes they go for people who are actually very successful, extremely outgoing, extremely kind of, you know, uh, larger than life yeah. because it's a conquest and it's a trophy. But they take that and they try as much as they can to beat that down because you can't have two alphas 
Well, you can't, <laughs> you, you just can't be like that with a narcissist right. unless it's for, unless it's to make them look good. When they go out with you, they like that you are drop dead gorgeous and they have you on their arm. They love that you are a CEO of X, Y, and Z company because they can brag about you. Yep. It's not about you. It makes them look good. The but children too, by the, the way, I meant to the, say that when you were that yes. children also are calculated and that's really, it's a really ugh Correct. feeling, but yes, Correct. very exactly. true. Yeah. So, so, you know, all right. So, so backing up. So when you are, you know, the gra- narcissists tend to gravitate towards those that are people pleasers that are always putting their needs second in front of everybody else. Uh, maybe they were taught their needs don't matter. They were taught to always take care of other people, that it's selfish to entertain your own needs. So narcissists love that because that works, yeah. right? So they gravitate towards people like that. Now, people who tend to be like that with kind of lower self-esteem, let's say, who have been treated poorly in relationships their entire life, now have this person in front of them saying all these amazing things to them that they've never heard before. And this is all they've wanted. But it's not something to want on date number one or date number two when they don't know anything about you, literally nothing. So why would you want to be with somebody who thinks that they've been waiting for you their entire life when they don't know anything about you? You're replaceable. That means you're replaceable. Hmm. I mean, everyone's replaceable. That means you're really replaceable. (laughs) Yeah, that that means you're not even coming to market. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So, so anyway, okay. So love bombing. How do we know it's different than just being really nice and really like falling for the person, having this crazy chemistry? So things like that. Watch how they talk to waiters and waitresses. Watch how they talk to valet parking guys at dinner, right? Watch how they speak to, I always say this, watch how they speak to Comcast customer service. (laughs) Watch how they speak to just people on the phone in general, yeah. or if the, if the restaurant gives them the wrong meal, how do they respond to that? Y- you know, because remember they're putting on an act for you, but then when they're dealing with the waiter, you don't exist anymore. Literally you don't exist anymore. Even though you're right across the table from them, they're focusing on this and this person disrespected them by bringing them the wrong food. You're such a moron. This is how that works. Yeah. So, um, Oh, it is, is not making eye contact a red flag. And I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm, so, oh, go ahead. Okay. I mean, so, so here's, let me show, remind me for that for one second, because okay, I yep, want to yep. say something about the eye contact. The other thing, are they asking you anything about you? Or if you do bring something up, do they jump in and say, oh my God, me too. And they start telling about it, which it's not even me too. It's let me just make it look like we have so much in common. What they're doing is collecting data on you. They're making you feel very comfortable early on to get what your family's like. And you'll find, if you find yourself within the first couple dates, having verbal diarrhea about the toxic family dynamics you grew up in and your abusive father and your alcoholic mother and, you know, your abusive past relationships, that is way too much information to be providing Somebody you literally just met, unless it's a psychologist, it's too much information and they are pulling it from you without you realizing it. So later on, they can say things like, well, I know why he treated you like shit because you are shit, right? So things like that. Um, So there's that to keep in mind. The other thing, sending somebody flowers, right? All right. it's It's a little aggressive after date number one or two, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But when they start taking you on trips to New York City 
three dates in and spending a fortune at gorgeous hotels or taking you to Mexico, red flag. It's not normal behavior. Is it amazing? Absolutely. It's not normal behavior because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to feel comfortable staying in a hotel with someone I just met three weeks ago. Just not. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's presumptuous to assume that somebody's going to be okay with that. Even if you are okay with it, it's still weird. It's not normal. Well, I just, um, and, uh, but, well, I, yeah. I just want to say that I do, I, it sounds like I might have had some red flag Ricky tendencies, but not every, cause I, I'd like to, we all, I'm not, okay. So no, 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 you're going to see red flag Ricky and yes. normal person have the same behavior sometimes. Yes. It's just correct. a guidance. If they start checking all of those red flag correct. Ricky things, Thank you're in you. trouble. Yes. Yes, yes. 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 So if you say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I, they, he took me to Mexico, but now we're married. Great. That's <laughs> one thing, right? Yes. This is a culmination of, of things that you see that all make this big picture up. Um, let me say, oh, and also they're calling you incessantly. They're calling you, texting you all the time. They're not, and they'll say, oh, I miss you. I can't wait to see you. They're not doing it because they miss you. They want to know your whereabouts. They want to learn where you are. They want to learn how fast they, you get back to them. They yeah. want to make you anxious. Narcissists don't like controlling people. They like controlling people's emotions, which is why birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, um, Christmas, New Year's, they, they will fuck it up. Somehow, right? Your ex will yes. call you on your birthday to start arguing with you about custody of the kids. Why? Because it's your birthday. Yep. And it's not because they want to ruin it. It's because they want to know that on a day that doesn't involve them, that may possibly make you forget them even more in that moment. No, 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 no. They're going to make sure that they implant themselves in your head. So I always tell people, be mindful when it comes to holidays, when they know you're going on a date when they know you have big plans, when you're going out with your girlfriends, things like that. They may happen to get sick that night, so you need to stay home, right? Um, so that's that. So there's a very big difference between that. Now, somebody said about the someone they never bought them gifts. That's just an example. Um, they may never buy you gifts because they want you to think you're not deserving of them or worthy of them. And if you complain about not getting gifts, now you look really materialistic and obnoxious. So they set up these conditions to make you think you're this terrible person for asking for your needs to be met, which is why people who are dependent, who tend to be, you know, people pleasers fit great. Yeah. The I'm not I, a big Valentine's contact, anniversary yeah. birthday guy. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. Correct. Right. Right. Or anything guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I will for everybody else. Right. Um, yes. The eye contact. Let me just say something about that. Yeah. They may not make eye contact because they truly don't give a shit and aren't interested in you. Or they're staring at the girl's chest because all they're thinking about is how they're going to, they can't wait to show off her boobs. Right. Like, however, there is something to be said about the eye contact. A lot of times people who have Asperger's are sometimes viewed as narcissistic. They're not. And so poor eye contact, um, kind of acting almost like they, they're, they're not interested or they talk about themselves or they don't, they don't realize conversations are a two-way street. So they seem selfish and narcissistic. That happens a lot. So you want to just kind of keep in mind, just because somebody may not make eye contact or talking about themselves 
doesn't mean they're a narcissist. And that's why I say, and John, you said this too, there has to be a culmination of things, not just one or two boxes checked off. This is a disorder, which means it's not a symptom. It's a disorder, which means it has to contain a ton of symptoms. Yeah. And there's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, and there's a lot. And I think we've, we've gone through, I, I would say most of them, but there's, is there any other major one that we haven't really touched on? We're like, okay, yep. That's, that's the final one. Yeah. Um, something called, uh, there's two things. There's something called future faking. Future faking is huh. where they make you these promises that's going to be our house one day. I'm going to buy you, you know, the, the fanciest whatever, or we're going to, we're going to go to Paris next year and, you know, or we're going to get engaged next year. Everything is this future oriented promise that doesn't ever happen or happens in a very mild way to make you feel undeserving of it because you'll be at fault for why it didn't happen. Or if you ask, well, when are we going to Paris? Then you're now ungrateful, right? right or right. something. So it's, again, it's, it's, it's set up to suck you in and to keep you waiting for it. The reason why love bombing happens is because it's almost like a high and the entire relationship, once they switch, there's like a flip. Once they switch, they will never, ever, ever go back to that other phase of love bombing unless you leave and they try to get you back. That's the only time you'll see it. But <laughs> that love bombing yeah. stage, that wasn't them. This is them. That love bombing stage is literally a costume they wore to get you sucked in. So the reason why love bombing is like a drug, it's like your first high, you're always throughout the relationship chasing the high of that love bombing stage, which is why people hang in there for so long because they think, oh, they're being really nice. Maybe, uh, no. So the way they were in the beginning of the relationship, that high that you're chasing never existed. It's not real. It yep. never was. Um, and so that's really difficult, understandably so, for people to take in because one, you feel embarrassed that you fell for it. You feel a ton of shame. You feel a ton of guilt. A lot of people, they don't want to talk about it because they're humiliated. They're more, how did I get here? Let me tell you something. Intelligence, success has nothing to do with it. Yep. I see so many women who you, who are like total, like, like just dominating, strong, successful women in the most upsetting, <laughs> narcissistic, horrible relationships. Two so completely I different always, lives, yeah. Two complete. And so, you know, people get sucked in. It, it, it is like a drug. And before you know it, you're just in it. And it's very difficult. And it's nothing to be embarrassed or shameful about. You are not the one who did anything wrong. No. Uh, <laughs> Even staying, you're no. not doing anything wrong. You're trying to survive. And I was laughing earlier when you were talking about the love bombing during like breakups and things because they're the most ridiculous type of love bombs in the world most of Ever. the time. It's Ever. like 
uh, I'm going to sing the acoustic version of Action Bronson right now outside of your window with, you know, all these <laughs> gifts and like, I don't, it's just. It, they it, hold the boom box yeah, over their head. Yeah, they John Cusack the whole that, time, like whatever. And no one knows what that means on here probably. Oh, of course. I give our, I give our audience a, a lot of credit that they know great 80s movies. But, but I just feel old. But yes, <laughs> the, the, right. So like, so because there's an example. That was an extreme behavior of John Cusack. However, he wasn't a narcissist in the movie. No. He just really loved this girl. Yeah. Yes, 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 exactly. He wasn't breaking up with her. Yeah, yeah, that's no. all. Well, we won't ruin right. the movie for the for the Gen Z crowd. But uh, <laughs> but uh, seriously, go watch that. Uh, and um, I, I, you know, I, who was a narcissist? Uh, Mark Wahlberg in Fear. Oh, yeah, oh my God! Yes, yes, yes. That's the most dangerous yes. type of narcissist. Great, great yes. example. Yes, correct. Uh, that's the one that will kill you. <laughs> that's that's if you haven't seen that that's like all about being a, a crazy serial killer with listen, all the only know, path of yeah do you know how many people i mean i'm not saying this is not i'm not joking but this at all i'm dead serious do you know how many women in particular i have heard say i feel like i'm gonna end up on a dateline episode I, wow because that's that that's mm. that's that dynamic i mean you know i'm not saying they're gonna kill you but like that's that dynamic um and, you know, I, I also, I run a group for, for um, Pennsylvania residents of people who are with narcissistic partners, either in it, out of it, 10 years down the road from it. The other thing that happens, which is interesting too, is when they're going through a divorce with a narcissist. Oh, good uh, Lord. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Okay. Ooh. So what happens is they challenge you, they challenge you, and you're going through mediation and you're going through this and you're going through that. I would bet that the amount of custody battles that actually get to trial, one of the partners is a narcissist. Oh, yes. Hands down. Oh, yes. Because they're the only types of dynamic where it's never going to get resolved before it gets to that trial. Um, and so, you know, people are always worried because the court system is not set up to protect, um, I hate saying victims, I'm just going to victims of narcissist, narcissistic abuse. Court system is not set up to protect these victims living through all. it I'll right now it. by the way yeah not yeah. protected at all yeah so i will say though by the time you get to that trial i guarantee you that judge sees that all the time all the time because that's probably the only ones that get to that point yeah oh i and it, yeah no doubt about that no doubt about that and that's um i guess part of you know a, a lot of people trying to slowly get out of those situations. And man, if you are in a court battle, that's where I recommend this, you know, or it just in general, you don't even have to be, uh, but um, it's crazy making. Yeah. It, uh, but like the moment, you know, the moment you've unlocked that and be like, okay, I'm in a situation from, Oh man. And, and shout out to Kim. Great point. Uh, they kill you all in some way. Absolutely. Emotionally, physically, whatever it is, you know, you know, what's happening going on. Um, the, the, not when you leave, not when you, leave. when you leave, when you leave, you already, when you leave, you won, no matter what yep. they do to you after that, you left them. Yes. And how dare you? Yes. You left. As far as I'm concerned, you already won. Anything Absolutely. after that is just, is just them trying to not to feel you won. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and mm -hmm. like we said, we know everyone's situation is very different, but the game that I play and like to play immediately is learning everything I possibly can about the behaviors 
of narcissism and what they respond to and what they do. And I, I mentioned this. I taught you well. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. She's ta- this is why you have to listen to the pod and subscribe and always follow what Dr. Z is, is saying and posting because, like, for me, I and I have to get out of my system. I do something you're probably not supposed to do. I like pushing narcissists to their limit to see where they go. They unravel. Yes, they unravel. They absolutely. The more boundaries you set, and I say this to my patients, the more boundaries you set, the more consistent those boundaries are. The worst thing to do is set an inconsistent boundary. If you yep. can't maintain a boundary, don't set it. Um, the, the, I tell them, get ready because you're going to sit back and you're not going to have to say a damn thing in court because they're going to unravel. The more boundaries you set, the more they unravel and you can sit back and watch this happen and know that you, you did that, not by changing them, by changing your responses to them. Yep, exactly. Because you're probably the one in therapy, not obviously not the narcissist. So you're working on how to respond to them. We're not talking about your feelings and this, it's all important, but really what's most important with the narcissist is changing your responses to them so that you can walk away with your head not exploding. And, Period. And, and Dr. Z, you said putting work into it. Yes, indeed. This is a job oh, yeah. now. This is your it's job. It's a full-time job. If, if it's your number one goal to get out, then it is your number one job always. That's All right. of your downtime is learning about the, the personality and what goes into it and how to manipulate that to your advantage So you feel comfortable getting to wherever your goal is and set those goals right now. Do not wait for one second. Let me give you a perfect example of of what you're saying about about manipulating them. So let's say, for example, that you want, let's say you're, you're, Let's say you want to go out with your girlfriends, right? I'm not going to yeah. give a divorce example. I'm going to, I'm going to give it. Let's say you're going out with your girlfriends and you know, you've been, you've been worrying about this for weeks that you have to let them know you have a birthday dinner with your girlfriends. Yeah. Obviously that's not normal, right? Um, it should be, I'm going out for so-and-so's birthday. Okay. Have fun. Bye. Right. But so they worry, worry. I have to tell them, I have to tell them. They may say, sure, have fun, and then call you nonstop, telling you to get home, making things up, all, all of a sudden saying, I wasn't fine with this. I never said this. I don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, wait, what? You did say it was fine. Wait, what? Doubting your reality. They bank on that as well. Yeah. So let's say, for example, you're going out with your friends and you know this is going to be a disaster. Okay. No, it's also women. And I'm caught. That's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, she corrected no, herself. There's, there's it's fa- women, too. Yeah. Women, women, women do this, too. <laughs> um, oh, mom. God, I can't. <laughs> there it is. So, is that like, count? Wait, does like, that count? Said, do we have to I'm dump like, something? Who said that? No, that's so wrong. My, oh, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was, I think she's just asking a question. She was just asking a no, question. No, she wasn't just she? said men. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. So this is okay. So I, I think okay. this counts as a blooper because Doctor Z doesn't understand technology. She's correcting herself from the question that's above that. What? So oh, we're saying how, how she was saying how do how do narcissistic oh, women Mom, differ right. from narcissistic You're off the hook. Damn it! Ah, Damn ha, it. Ha, we caught her. Perfect game. Forty six minutes in, and then booyah. Shit. 
Yeah. I almost got away with this. Damn it. <laughs> How do narcissistic women differ from, it's all actually a really good question. It's a great question. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. a great question. I'm going to answer that just for you. Mom. Yes. Okay. So, okay. Really quickly though, back to this. So let's say you're going out with your friends and you know, it's going to be a disaster. What you do is something like this. I have this really big party in the city that I need to go to on October 3rd. <laughs> Not going to fly. <laughs> and then you say, you know, you know, or I, that same night I have a dinner with my girlfriends, but like, it's going to kind of be like, well, I really want to go to this party. There's no party, right? right. So you're okay. going to, you're going to go to the dinner because, because it's, they think they're in control, but they're really not. Right. And so we say that with, you know, if they need to sign court documents by April 2nd, they're not going to sign it by April 2nd. But if you need them by April 2nd, you tell them those papers have to be signed by March 1st. So when they send them into you three weeks late, they think they're one upping you, but really not because the deadline is April 2nd. So that's how you manipulate them. Um, and yeah, you got, you have to be creative and this is stuff that you need to work on with your therapist because they will help you craft these text messages and things like that because, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a game. Um, let me answer my mother's question because I'm definitely going to yell out for that. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I was w- like so disappointed <laughs> and, and I'm like, all right, great. Okay, fine. Cause oh my God, I taught her well, she should know this. So how do they differ? Men and women do differ very much in terms of narcissism. So okay. a lot of times narcissistic women may be misdiagnosed with borderline personality disorder because they do overlap. They, they used to be what's called cluster B personality stuff. So um, there's that. And it can look, look the same, but it's, it's not. It's just that um, women narcissists are, tend to manipulate more with emotions yeah. and you know, words and, and things like that. Um, it's a little bit different, not always, but it's a little bit different. Um, the other part too, is when women have like narcissistic rage, borderline personality sort of, that's also a big component to it. So they, they do overlap. One of the ways that they do differ though, is there's different forms of narcissism. So a lot of times women may present differently. For example, they may like, how do I want to say this? Um, they're the person that is always the sickest. They're the one that's always um, in the most trouble, right. needs the most help. Um, oh, your wall fell down? My entire house fell down. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> you, you stubbed your toe, I broke my leg. Oh, like, the one upper. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you, you, what, you know, or pa- very passive aggressive, things like, um, Oh, you, this happened a lot when I was like a new mom and it used to like, Oh, you, you feed, you feed your child pouch food, (laughs) you know? And you're like, yeah. And and Uh, are you worried about the chemicals? Look at my beautiful cabinet of pureed food that I handmade myself, which great, good for you. But the way it's used is very manipulative instead of saying, you know, like, here, look at my stuff. Here, I'll give it to you. Don't worry about making it. I'll make it for you. Like, there's no judgment, right? So right. that happens a lot too. Um, also, you know, with narcissists, one of the things they do is they give silent treatments for absolutely no apparent reason. So the other person is trying to figure out why, what did they do? 
How do they get out of this? They did something wrong, not realizing that the narcissist is doing it again just to control their emotions. Um, women tend to do that. I don't want to say more, but use that strategy more. Um, they may do things like um, just kind of, it, you know, if they tell you that they're going to meet you somewhere, but then like the worst thing ever happens and, and now you can't be focused on you. You feel guilty. So you focus on them, but it's right. very subtle. Um, but they're passive aggressive. They're super competitive. A lot of the times they don't like when you're successful. They don't like when you're happy. Um, they don't, I'm talking about women for a second. They yeah. don't support other women. Um, they want you to fail. And it's not, it's more than just jealousy because jealous people know they're jealous. Right. And they hide it and they feel shit. You know, if I'm ever jealous of someone, I feel kind of like a piece of crap because I'm like, oh, they're my friends. Like, this isn't a good feeling to have. Narcissist isn't going to say that because it's not even that they're jealous. They look at it as I I, that is so pathetic and I can do that so much better than them. I can't believe they actually think they're good at this. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's- There's a difference. So mom, back to your question <laughs> that I royally <laughs> screwed up on. Sorry. Um, that I'm counts as a blooper, right? I just want to be, I just want to be clear that because she knows, she knows, and she knows better to think to say men, which, yeah. So mom, um, that's the answer to your question. Um, it just, it looks different. It looks different. And off of that, honestly, because I noticed, I mean, most narcissists are men, and that's just true. Is there a study on why that is? Is it just because of... So, well, here's the problem with that, is that narcissist is rarely diagnosed firsthand. Narcissism is diagnosed through somebody else reporting details. And that's why this gets a little tricky because you're dealing with someone's perception. Once in a while, they bring their partner in. And I'm telling, I could tell you in like, you know, either they're super charming. And so they describe this monster and then this super charming, nice guy comes in as if everything is perfect. Ted Crisco, good to meet you. Right, exactly. Right. (laughs) Or they hate me and they get up and they walk right out or they tell their, their partner afterwards, I hate, she's not good. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Who does she think she is? There was an interview. If you guys want to Google this at some point on YouTube, there was an interview that Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil did with Lindsay <laughs> Lohan's mother. Okay. You twitched yeah. there for a second. That's always <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, but he handled this like a champ. I mean, I, yeah. I was like, I was, I, oh, his response was so good. So <laughs> he, so he's interviewing Lindsay Lohan's mother, which I do not treat Lindsay Lohan's mother. But if I had to guess, I would say that there are some sort of personality characteristics that are unhealthy. So he's sitting down with her. And so clearly there's a power differential, right? And, you know, he's a psychologist, right? And he's also Dr. Phil. And there's Lindsay <laughs> Lohan's mother sitting across from them. They're on TV. So the whole thing's just, you know, not real to begin with. Yeah. But what ends up happening is Lindsay Lohan's mother, he's asking her questions in the middle of this. She says to him, look at your little shoes, your little outfit. It's so cute. Whoa. And, and I, and I, and I, and I, 
this is what they will do. And so Dr. Phil, I'm like, how's he going to play this one? And he did, he nailed it. He looked at her and he goes, my shoes are cute. Throw it right back on her. And she just kind of was like stumbling for a little bit and tried to downplay it. And he called her out and he said, you you just did that because you didn't feel comfortable and you didn't like that I had a little bit of a power differential over you. And you tried to like basically level the playing field. But here's the thing. I know exactly why you just did what you did. And it didn't work. I mean, it was, he didn't say it exactly like that, but that's essentially what he did. This is what narcissists do. I used to get this all the time. And sometimes I still do, but I, I, I looked really young when I, you know, when I first started practicing and, you know, I, and that would be the thing that they would go to always. Like, are you even, are you even old enough to be helping me as as a way to kind of like, do this. Exactly. And right. at first it's super uncomfortable. It's so awkward. And it's, and you, then you start to say like, am I capable of treating this? You start to doubt yourself. Eventually you get to a point where you know you're capable of doing it. Yeah. Um, and so when, when that happens, if that happens, or if it's about something else entirely, but it's used to do that, I don't answer their question. I throw that back on them and bring bring it up in the context of you must've just felt really uncomfortable because that comment was to distract me to start defending myself against something that's not even true. And then start apologizing for defending myself. It's like that responding to the abusive behavior is the problem, not the abuse itself. Yes. And I call them out on it and they don't like that, Uh. which is why if you go to a therapist or a psychologist that does not understand the nuances of narcissist narcissism, and you're going because you're having relationship difficulties and you are really trying to get strong enough to leave. What's going to happen is you're going to report back what they did and you'll hear things like, well, it sounds like they're trying, right? Yeah. Or, you know, or in couples therapy, it sounds like he really wants to make this work. Why don't you go on a date night? Ah, oh, oh, God. So now you have somebody who's a, a professional telling you to go on a date night so putting you in a situation where Love that what you're wearing you isn't yeah, good, your yeah. heels are too high, you're revealing too much boob, you know, you, 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 you spoke too long to that waiter, you looked at them too long, you know, you laughed too hard at that joke. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very difficult. It's yeah. very, very difficult. Man, yeah. And that's a, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a long road here. And I know that a lot of us is specifically dealing with anxiety and all that other stuff. We are automatically going to probably put a lot of pressure to try to maneuver that situation there too quickly or on top of it. Just I, I know it that. makes just, us uncomfortable. Exactly. It, makes, it makes a a healthy, rational minded, anxious person who feels a lot. It's going to yeah. make us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to say that, but I, but I, the function of me saying that is to not cater to that behavior. Yes. And and if you have just realized that you've gotten caught in this narcissistic web in any level of relationship uh, and you've been in it for a long time, guess what? You have P- a PTSD from it and like probably need to really start to un slowly, fastly, however you feel comfortable. But you, you're you're. 
your wires are absolutely tangled and you don't know. Yes. And that could definitely be a next episode is is how do you even begin to a trust other people after this? How do you not go back? Cause majority do right. They'll leave again, but they come back. It's, it's a multi-step process. How do you trust again? How do you stay away? How do you stay out? And then also how do you kind of redefine your, yourself? How do you figure out who you are after 10, 12, 30 years of being told you're somebody you're not Yes, and believing it. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a big thing because yes, post-traumatic stress disorder, the difference with, with this and post-traumatic stress disorder compared to something else is these kind of triggers that make you have a panic attack and you don't know where it came from, right? Or you start to have these flashbacks of things. You hear a noise and it triggers something or a smell. That stuff isn't going to happen right when you leave. That stuff is going to come up for you a year later when you are driving in your car and you pass somewhere that you, you know, had a huge argument with them and they left you stranded. Like this is stuff that's going to be ongoing. So it's important to get into therapy, to be able to figure out strategies of how to deal with that when it happens. Um, Cause it doesn't happen right when you leave. Yes. It's, it's, it's an ongoing process. Oh, boy, and you also you also won't realize how abusive certain situations were until you're out of it and you'll do something like I, I have, I give you an example. Okay. For some reason, the airport going on vacation with a spouse who has narcissism is, is like the chaos that ensues, the anxiety, the, the, the drama is it's an argument. And so going on vacations is extremely, extremely stressful and traumatizing. So one of the things that, that happens is let's say you are now away from this person you separated, you're going on vacation, you're driving by yourself to the airport and it hits you. Oh my God. I used to, I used to dread this. Oh my, I can walk through security and just walk through. Oh my, I I can wait for my bags and just, and just get my, and it's at that moment you realize, holy crap, like, wow, like that was really bad. And at the time you don't realize it because you're just trying to survive. You're walking on eggshells. You're trying to protect your children. There's so much going on. You don't realize how bad it was. And so that's why I say it continues for long after, unfortunately. Yes. And like, you know, a lot of great examples tonight. Uh, Lynn Marie, Kim, as always. Um, uh, Laura, thank you for uh, you and sharing what you had like during all this stuff. You guys have been fantastic during these lives. In the, in the, again, these for, were good questions. Yeah, fantastic questions. Especially Even from, from mom. my mom. <laughs> Even from mom. That's right. That is right. Um, uh, Christina, thank you as well uh, for, for tuning in and everyone that's lurking, uh, listening on the podcast. Really appreciate all the feedback you've given me and Dr. Z with this. Uh, we're six sessions in. Uh, we hope there's 600 in us. And the best way that you can ensure that is to make sure you're downloading, subscribing, listening, being here live in the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, where we do want to have, whether it's anonymous, not anonymous, anything, anything you can ask there. You're about welcome, Mom. About it. Oh, what did she say? What did she say? I missed it. She said, thanks, J&J. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Uh, you have a fantastic daughter. She's a, she's a great co-host. 
She keeps giving it out, and uh, you can see her right here on Instagram Live. Of course, you already know where to follow her, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. You can follow me on uh, on Instagram there and on the Twitter.com at John Barchard and follow the podcast there as well at its, uh, or excuse me, at Z with JB on Twitter. Uh, Dr. Z, anything else uh, before we go? No, I'm pissed I had a blooper. <laughs> and you kind of had two, so back to back. Back to back right there. I think it makes up for uh, for last week when you when you skated by perfectly. I guess, you oh, did. I forgot to throw something on me in, in honor of you having a blooper. So I will throw two things on me next week. So multiple things to look forward to. Uh, thanks again for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for everyone tuning in live. And we'll see you right uh, here next week. Same bad time, same bad yes. channel. It's uh, Dr. Z with me, JB, John Barchard. And we'll see you uh, next week. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.